Hello and welcome to Peace of No Mind. Peace of No Mind. Peace of No Mind. Peace of No Mind. latest installment of Peace of No Mind. My name is Ray Tanner and you've joined us today. We have a banging show lined up. Just you wait. We're here with Marvin Harrison, the founder of Dope Black Dads. So if you guys don't know what that's about, stay tuned because today we're going to unfold and unravel it all. Be with us, big, big topics and hold tight. I'll chat to you guys in a minute. Peace of no mind. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Peace of No Mind, bro. How you doing? <laughs> I was waiting for some like major response. Like, yes, my guy. It's just, no, you're all right. It's calm. You're my brother. It's so good. I've already adopted you. We look we look with the same head shape. So it's all good. <laughs> like, you're, you're, I can see me and you, bro. Like, I can see me and you. You're, yeah, you're, you're yeah. my younger man. We'll be twins. If there was a crime fit, they wouldn't know who was who. Oh, please, please. <laughs> Except for, I feel like I need to go down one. Sh- bro, I'm like on a 0.5 at the minute. I think I need a 0.2. Go all the way, bro. All the way. It stops aging you. But this is the thing. Your beard is actually completing the look right now. I've got a few little tassels at the bottom chin. I was where you were once, bro. And please tell me it happens. The change comes, right? It does come. Right? It does come. Definitely. Oh, man, Get this... married, then it comes. That's to get married. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you what it really is because I feel like this is a clean show. But... Oh, no, it is. It's, it's far too clean, bro. <laughs> okay, but I cool. will say, though, like, when I go to the barber recently, he keeps scraping my face, like, as though he's hoping for some change as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like he knows what he's doing and he's like, it's like, bro, you've never seen hair there before, but you're there with the shaver. He has aggression for you. He hates to hate cutting your hair. Do you think, yeah, it? He, he looks, looks at me like, look at this pubescent man, in it, bro? <laughs> so I forget, man. I ain't here to live your ideals. Get you, get you. But, bro, how are you today, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm really good. You're healthy. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on, man. Like we were speaking about it earlier, man. Taking the time out and being on Peace of No Mind means a lot, man. And I'm sure these guys will get to hear a lot about what you guys or what you've been up to in the last year or so. Yeah. Couple years, in fact. Yeah, yeah, I've been a busy boy. So, bro, one thing I actually did want to ask is because it's quite topical, and Mm. I did see you guys upload it recently. Mm. Tell me your thoughts on this Danny Baker stuff, bro. (laughs) I'm I'm really curious, just because, like, I was was leaving my house and just having some chats with my mum. She was just like, listen, he knows knows what he's doing, he knows what he's doing, and obviously, um, I don't know, I'm quite interested to hear what your thoughts would be. Yeah, sometimes it... um... I go in and out of different ideas and understandings as to what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't fully unpacked what that means today. Mm-hmm. I think where, where I'm at with it at the moment is I'm past uh, caring. Okay. Um, I think it's important that certain people own and and uh, make the BBC be very much aware of what he has done and that it's not okay and that we uh, potentially doesn't necessarily need to be employed on a, a government-funded channel anymore. Um, but... Um, as a, in terms of how I internalize it, it, it goes in and out. It's it's nice to know that it's happened and BBC have done the right thing, uh, but they've also failed um, when it came to Alan Sugar. They didn't respond when he referred to Senegalese footballer players as sunglass sellers. Um, oh, and for what? me, that was super offensive. Um, actually, more offensive to me because I felt like they're in the maybe quarterfinals of the World Cup um, and they deserve some respect. And then him making them a bit of a joke like that is the typical kind of approach um, from people like him. So, um, did anyone actually like? Did anyone combat him on that sunglass? Absolutely, he got he got about four days of rain on that, and um, <laughs> it just it wasn't enough for people to um, to fold on it. And it, it's not it's, it's not clean lines on it. Mm. Um, so yes, I'm all for making sure we're vocal about it. But in terms of how I internalize it, I give it to a bare minimum because that stuff is is just too taxing for yeah. our experience. We already know what life is, and we're, and we're trying to make the best out of what we can do. Mm-hmm. What we don't need to do is add things that we can't change. Danny Baker is going to be that guy and think he's funny in that way anyway. Um, thank God BBC did the right thing, and they're on the right side of history on that on that particular subject. But then in terms of my day-to-day, like I have amazing things that I'm working on. That doesn't move the needle uh, in terms of fixing the things that I'm trying to work on. So like dwelling on such issues, you think that sort of stuff, that's not going to be progressive in thought? Yeah, I think to be kind to the people that are on Twitter um, communicating their distaste for it is super important. 
my powers is not is that's not where my powers are i'm not a twitter complainer i'm a, I'm an action-based individual um and so i want to do things proactively in our community to change the narrative rather than complain about what somebody else is doing because there are millions of idiots like that yeah hey Globally. bro can i quote that i'm not a twitter complainer i'm an action-based individual <laughs> are you are you actually wait can we just take a moment for that that is quotable bro that that's, that deserves to be on a t-shirt bro that's that's my my grime that's my grime connection that's just hey, me being connected to early days of grime. It, out, it just man. happens. Hey, that could have been a bar. Out, man. Hey, seriously, I felt <laughs> like that one touched the soul, bro. That's what I was saying. Like, I had to die. Let's just go back and just take a minute. See, that's why you're a dope black dad, bro. That is why you're a dope <laughs> black dad. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But aside from that, like, what what's what's your week been looking like? What have you been? Have you, have you been up to anything? I'll, t- I'll tell you my truth because I think that's always important. But I, I've literally just came off a plane from Jamaica and. My mental state is very, very relaxed. Oh, sick. So in my head, I'm on an island, sipping rum, calypso oh, dancing oh, with my wife. That, that's what I've been doing for the last 14 days. Please. When and did you come back? Like I came back Saturday and um, I just haven't, I haven't snapped back into London yet. You know, yeah. there's a London mentality of like, I don't call it aggressive, but it's a very assertive approach to how you live life and mm-hmm. you're very driven and you're very focused. Right now, I'm I'm on a boat somewhere <laughs> and, I, and I haven't come off the boat yet. And so I'm um, trying my best to acclimatise to London sensibilities. But I've, I've literally just come back. Um, and the big thing takeaway I, I have from going back to, to Jamaica this time is um, I, I have to go back twice a year. I, oh, just connect to a, a Pan-African country twice a year. Okay. I think it's super important for our community to go home or, or close to home as humanly possible. And is that home to you, Jamaica, right? Or... Jamaica's home to me, but to be honest, anywhere where it's majority black is really home. Okay. I, I connect with anywhere. I've been South Africa, Gambia. I get, I get down with them all. So, okay. <laughs> um, like, You're welcome to Ghana, by the way, like all yeah, day, Listen, people day. thought I was Ghana up until I, about three years ago. Slightly, so. you broke my heart. I said, bro, I thought you were Ghana. Then you said listen. Jamaica. I was like, okay, maybe that, that, that ship's out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're not in the same it, it, It's really weird, though, because like the way I, I used to divide... The, the black experience into mm-hmm. countries i now just see it as all one because mm-hmm. when you really break it down the sensibilities are quite universal and so um being back in jamaica I, is the same feeling i got when i was back in johannesburg johannesburg really blew my mind uh, my friend, friend Masito, he's based in new york but um, we connected here um shout out to him he, he's just a wonderful individual but every time i get a message from him is him connecting me to somebody okay. of the diaspora and they're just like these amazing individuals who like own something amazing or just working quietly on something incredible um and so he he looked after me in south africa and i i i, I think i cried twice oh really yeah strong man cry like no but strong man, cry, man. Just cry but no yeah. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> cry. i was trying to bulk it up but no, they no there's just, no point bulking it up it's yeah, my yeah, truth yeah. i was crying like it, it's it's more just when you go back and you see the majority and you see them at peace and they're so proud of being black. They don't apologize for being black. They don't. They don't change there. There's no. There's no code switch. They are South African, and it's a dominant uh, culture. It's a really empowering thing to be around. But yeah, just just the idea of going home really resonated with me this time. And I'm I'm planning to go back to Jamaica for Carnival next year. Um, and do, and then we're, we're planning Ghana for Christmas. So it's just one of those things where we're just gonna keep going. Because uh, I think it's important for me to know it, my kids to know it. Um, yeah. I want them to know me. I don't want them to feel like I'm a complete outsider. I want to have relationships with people there, and I want to yeah. get some work done as well. So what you said was quite interesting about going to Ghana for Christmas. I haven't been back to Ghana since I was 16. Mm. And um, we're talking like 10 years now. Mm. And there's a small part of me, there's a small disconnect that, again, essentially I would class myself as a Londoner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and when I go to somewhere like Ghana, I would say I'm Ghanaian, but yeah. for them, I'm almost still a, some form of outsider. Yeah, Mother yeah. tongue, not that brushed up. Yeah. And we're talking basic. We're talking, hello, good day, my name yeah, is yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I could be like, I'm not mad at, I'm not mad that I, I don't know my... Okay, I am mad a bit. I'm, you know what? I'm a bit upset. Be mad. I'm I upset, cried. bro. I'm mad. upset, but I don't know where to divert that that upsetness. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that when you get to the age of like 18, um, you can hold yourself accountable Absolutely. and responsible. So I can't say you never taught me the mother tongue because now yeah, I've yeah. been here out for like eight years. Mm. Who's, 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 who's fault's here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. There's still time though, bro. A hundred percent. I can learn to it, you know. I'm, I'm far from it as well. I'll, I'll learn. I want to write a song with Ed Sheeran in that language by the time I'm done. <laughs> oh, bro, good. Hey, no, hey, there's only one song with Ed. Hey, Ed, Ed's an honorary Ghanaian, bro. There's only one he's song one with Ed. He's one he's of one us. Of our he's own. one of us. He's one of us. We've taken him under the wing. But, man, we can stay on this topic, and I'm so glad that you came on today. Mm. Um, have you listened to an episode of Peace of No Mind before? I have not, no. Oh, man. I'm man. one of those people. No, I rate that. And mm. I was very honest. The less information I have, the better. Oh, six, I just want to vibe six, on a real six, level. Six. 
and we're, we're doing that, we're doing mm. that. With every guest that comes on, mm. I need to ask you this question, and it kind of frames the show, but what does a peace of mind mean to you? Yeah. How is it best achieved? Uh, what does it mean to me? It's, it's, uh, it's the serenity. Um, I think it's, it's your safe space. Um, it's where you go to be whole within yourself, that is. Um, and then how do you achieve that? There's many methods. And to be completely honest, how I'm tackling my mentor at this point uh, is really about um, challenging many of the ideas that I had about myself and how the world works, um, removing the idea of expectation from people around me and myself, and then being free to fully express my truth. And that, and that, and that's my methods to do it, I, I, you know. It, it, it's a long journey to get there. And I think from being in my early 20s and having a really good understanding of myself and how the world works, um, and then getting married, having kids, and then realizing that, that that understanding was based on ego, and then having to deconstruct that um, and then rebuild your understanding based on not only your truth, but your actual reality and the truth of the people that you're living your life with mm-hmm. um, is, is, is a very um difficult experience to explain to somebody who hasn't lived parts of that mm-hmm. so at different parts your understanding will be um different and I, and I try to communicate to people at the point of their understanding i can talk about me but when i talk about generally um it depends on who the audience is um whether you can absorb and break down different um ideas uh, about you know yeah absolutely because it's, it's not fair to I think I think a part of the pressure is everybody, and there's a lot of sort of health self help gurus who talk about how you should act and how you should think and what you should do, um, and and it sounds really cool in counterculture now, but you don't know what messaging they've received as a child in terms of what they the value they've been given in the first place. Some of it could be religion, some of it could be social, some of it could be a value based system around money. Unpack that and break that down, and then change it. Um, isn't as straightforward as someone on online talking at you. Um, and so if you're not going to guide them through the work for real, mm. I don't I don't want you to be saying that stuff. I, I, I think unassisted uh, deconstruction is, is very, very difficult and unhealthy. Mm. Um, and I think it's super important that that needs to be done in a safe space. So changing people's understanding of frameworks, but they still exist in a world which is hugely oppressive whether that would be a woman or whether that be because you're black or whatever the, the, the reason is that you're in a, an oppressive culture can leave you exposed to mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And I think that becomes really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And most of these people aren't really skilled. They don't have a qualification. They don't understand psychological frameworks that are understood and, and accepted by what doctors are using, let alone what the 2.0 of that is and the updating of that is. Mm-hmm. So they're just talking rehashed ideas. Mm-hmm. Do it with mindfulness. Okay. Like genuinely be aware of what you're saying and who you're saying it to and the tone mm-hmm. that you communicate that in. If you if your tone is any any form of judgmental, you are more likely doing more damage than you think you are saving. Okay. And is there anything that so looking back into your early twenties, is there any kind of direct ways that you think that your perspective or the way that you frame the world has changed? up to where you are now like maybe given like a prime example of like you know what when i was 20 i definitely felt this was it and that got shattered at this age yeah it, it all got shattered in marriage to be honest and, and in the kindest way possible my wife took me on a a really incredible spiritual journey because we achieved everything i wanted to achieve together and then at the point we're still married so what what do we do now and look, we're not particularly religious people, so we didn't get married under religious construct. Um, and so we got married because we wanted to build a life together. And so in the early years, it was like everything that I wanted was based on perception. What I wanted to look and feel like based on my idea of what success was, which was usually things that were like material, but mixed with like a, a richness of people around me, but that most of those stuff weren't really valuable. It was just an idea of like, I want to look and feel like this to other people. Mm-hmm. I'm a messiah complex, if you will. Nice. Um, and then I think when I got married and I had my, my son, um, it's uh, real questions come, come to you in terms of your character, because what you start to realize is that who you are is reflected in your, your son, your child. Um, and so every imperfection you have is loud to them and they pick it up and they'll replay it back to you directly at you and you're like wow that's me that's me that's me you can see the angry the yelling the shouting the like the the jokes the laughter the giggling the playing the food habits all of it is just like a a direct reflection of you they follow you in a way that you are not even aware of and so that plus also in terms of marriage in terms of expectation marriage is a very difficult thing to to achieve and so being in it 
and then living a life with somebody else who is a free human being like a true free um and so this idea of when i first got into a relationship i looked at women as a an extension of myself which is why i was talking about ego before and where you felt that you should be in that yeah in that it's like the type of woman i have of, my, yeah. my, my okay. wife is fire to this day Jeez. she's fire big up but then also spiritually she was she was in tune um and she was successful mm -hmm. so i was like i'm done what this is and, I, and to this day i believe that but my approach is different so i i thought it was about preserving that perception rather than listening and looking at who she was and guiding her and giving her the support she needed to go in the places that she wanted to go um and so when i realized that potentially i was crushing her actually what happened was i watched the red table talk with will, will and jada um and it, it was already apparent before when we were already in a new space but that that drilled it home in a really rich way because um in in my mind i thought i was providing this amazing experience like we were on four holidays a year minimum we were traveling we had an amazing car amazing house two amazing kids we both had careers um we were just doing well we had everything that i thought was important what but, on a societal level like you were looking at it, it's like i'm providing you with the dream this is what marriage it. was meant to be killing like, it you got a man we got two cars you got like killing holiday. it yeah and then, and then on those measurements, yeah. I thought I was done. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, so what's next? So I started digging out what's next. My wife was like, I'm happy. And I was like, yeah, but what we could do yeah, we can get six houses. <laughs> or we could design this. And, this. and I was still trying to push for more things. And um, it really just hit me one day when she just wasn't really motivated. And I got frustrated. I was like, why, why are you not into this? Like, you're not, you're not doing the things that we should be doing. And she was like, I've got, I've got the things I want. I'm just enjoying. There should be. I'm just enjoying my family. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and then I watched the, I watched that. Um, so that might happen maybe two years before. Then I watched the Red Table talk. And it literally sounded like me telling my wife, be grateful for the amazing things that I've done because we're killing it. And it was not her metric. It meant nothing to her. It went very little to her. She did it for me because she knew it was important to me. She supported me on my journey. Now she was going off on her other journeys and I hadn't, I hadn't caught up. I was still on this mode of like, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna do one more round of this, and then, and then what? <laughs> and so at that point, it was, it was, yeah, exactly, uh, like deep it, it, questions, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, I just found myself in a place where I love my wife so much. I, I didn't want to um, um, crush her with my expectation or my understanding of how the world worked, and so that actual detaching from my wife to give her that freedom was painful emotionally mm -hmm. because we were best friends. We do everything together. My understanding of love was based on TV couples. It's based on Uncle Phil and, yes, you know, and Aunt Viv and, yeah. and how they connected and how I felt that love looked like. And you watch TV romances and you're like, that's what love is. It's that almost incest, not incestuous is a bad word, but almost <laughs> interconnected, like, um, um, uh. approach to love where my thing is your thing and we finish each other sentences and we go wherever each other go. And, and, and the detachment was is just allowing, potentially she doesn't want to go to the places I want to go to. She's not a huge fan of New York when it's cold, so she might not come. She mm. might just go to the beach by herself. And I'm like, oh, we're going to be apart. <laughs> it's like, you know, just just actually like connecting to the idea. And it's like, it's not, it's not nothing to do with me. Like it's not a lack on my behalf why she doesn't want to go to these places. She just has another thing she wants to do. Mm. These are the trainings and, 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 and they may be specific to me, but um, I think many people have this misunderstanding of what love is. Mm. And so when we talk about in the group with the dads about the true concept of freedom with your partner, not everybody quite has it in the true understanding. They believe that like, no, 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 we should do everything together. And if you want to do this with this person, then I have to be there and you can't be around men yeah. after eight o'clock and mm. all these poisonous ideas. And I'm like, I don't have any of those poisonous ideas. Mm. Yeah. But one thing you keep touching on is parenting and, and mm. that, that, that kind of being the stem for where dope black dads have developed yeah. from, right? So could you tell us a little bit about dope black dads and how you kind of came up with this whole idea? And it's a very organic journey. So um, it was Father's Day last year. We um, Last year, like literally last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's not even been a full year yet. So last year, Father's Day, um, I, I had a really good Father's Day, actually, in the first half, because it's very intense. You you know, it's big reveals and everyone's loving you. But then there's just like a lull in the day, like in any like Christmas day. There's just a point where it's like, oh, right, now cool. what do you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we said um, we love you. Like, like where, uh, where do we go? Yeah, here, yeah, like? yeah. It's like, and, and I, I was being very reflective and I was like, do you know what? There are some dads that I really respect. And it's really nice to know dads um, who are fantastic and they're black dads. 
So I put everyone in a WhatsApp group and I was just like, look, I just wanted to say thank you very much for inspiring me. And whenever I'm lost, I look to you guys as a guide as to what I should be doing, not only as a parent, but in my in my adult life. And so we did that and everyone was like, wow, that's amazing, really appreciate that. Which is why it makes you think that I don't think traditionally black men or men in general really communicate certain things to each other very well. Mm-hmm. We don't appreciate, we don't communicate love very well. We yeah. don't appre- uh, communicate appreciation. A uh, very quick story. I, I remember doing an event with um, Reggie Yates and a, friend, a guy called A-Side and my friend Becky Lockett. Uh, Be- Becky Lockett, sorry. Um, and uh, I don't think I've ever told this story, but I, I, we, ha- we, was, we was doing events together, really going really well. And then we met up for like a lunch just before Christmas. And I think everybody brought each other gifts. And it didn't even cross my mind. I was like, we don't, I don't, we don't buy mango juice, dude. Like, do you, do you buy mango juice? I don't you drink, bro. It, yeah, it's like, it was so, it was so alien to me. And it made me really sit and, and live with the idea of like, am I, am I just like missing a part of my connection? I'm, I'm just not present in that space. I don't think of things like that to do. And I was like, we need to start appreciating. We had an amazing year together. And it's the obvious thing you would do to people that you cared about and love is you, buy them a present for christmas you've been around each other all year mm. um but for me it was just like yeah it's been great love the happy birthday merry christmas and it just kind of like it, it played on my mind and so when we the group was was being active it started off just being like we appreciate that and it made me realize the thirst for uh, appreciation that was probably missing that was the first part and then maybe a day later people just started asking questions like hey you like like proper role like like role man like oh you man like what, what nursery are you man doing like who the nursery thing yeah why what's the like and, and obviously we're talking internally so it's all good but we, 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 we just start asking other questions about parenting um and then that turned into um 23 dads into 50 dads all the way up to 150 dads oh, what, just even dads you never met before right? yeah but... people people want to add people it's like no because you guys are talking about real stuff and i need help too oh, and sick, i know some guy who who's like he's split out with his missus or his missus passed away and he's now looking at the kids by himself with his mum and like real stories and mm. i'm like wow how can we help so we just pulled our information together and the information was so rich i wanted it to live somewhere so we created a podcast to say let's get that information out and then after about four weeks of doing the podcast the guardian got in touch and was just like we love this this story it sounds amazing we're going to cover it it didn't come out until january so we were just recording, recording, recording. And then in January, when it came out, it just kind of exploded. It took it to a whole nother level and it made it a bit of a national conversation, which was really interesting for me. Because it's a black conversation. It's, it was a bit of a wind rush conversation. It was a dad conversation. There was a lot of richness in it. And so um, we, we really pushed the understanding of what black fathers could be um, and what the, what the rules are, per se, around being a black father. And so... I kind of feel like we started a really interesting conversation internally, but the group now is such a rich place. Does it still exist on WhatsApp? Absolutely. Or is it like, what, how many uh, members? There's now? 150 as we speak. Oh, we know right. we can only go to 200, so we're being we're being a bit Selective. sexier. Selective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, no, you, you only got one child. Like. <laughs> I'm taking bribes as we speak. <laughs> um, and and I think I think the key the key thing is is that yes, it's a great immediate resource, mm-hmm. um, but like the stuff we're t- we're touching on, we were talking about um, surviving uh, miscarriages and stillborn. Like there's men that have had miscarriages and been in relationship with, with, with women that have had miscarriages and never spoken about it. Because mm-hmm. obviously the immediate thing is you look after the person who's, Who who's the body. Yeah. yeah. And so we're all looking after after our partners and then we just we just get on with it. And I think, you know, men pouring out for the first time their truest feelings around it, like a child that they still name, mm-hmm. that's that's super deep. Mm-hmm. Like and so um this week we were talking about male suicide and like I had to take a pause. I was at work and then it just started going off. And I was like, actually, we're, we're talking about people that I know who have considered suicide and I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the point when they considered suicide, the things that were keeping them going were things like this group mm. um, or just other, other things that were said that made their perception change just mm. at the right point. And you're just like, like the, the level of wow, it just made me, t- I took a minute and I was like, do you know what? I need to, I called my wife and I was like, I think, yes, we've made a group and the group is great. And yes, we've got a podcast, but... The, the way that we have to work harder to collect more black fathers mm. it's a real thing yeah. um, and, I, and I feel like I've made it it's, it's the number one objective in my head is how do we co- collect black fathers en masse mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know the answer en masse but that's why I'll go anywhere and everywhere bringing them into our platform whether it's a Facebook group or whether it's a WhatsApp group um, and just allowing them to, to hear the dialogue mm-hmm. because what we're actually doing is we're creating a new minimum experience for, for black fathers mm. 
So if you well, have black it, men as well, like because when you're when you're addressing certain things about how your mental health is, yeah. and when we're talking about is it fragile, and a question as simple as like have you considered committing suicide, mm. the only way you can know an answer is if you directly ask someone. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then this is why I say the podcast is for everyone because any man can listen to it. Any white, white European Asian man can listen to it and find credible bits of information. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's specifically black fathers that are in the group is because we have a very unique perspective. But also it was built by me. The fact that it's got this far is because of the network of the people that are in it. But really it's about me wanting to feel safe. Mm. It's about me wanting to be around people who understand the richness of my experience and I don't have to explain nuances to them. They get it. Mm. That's what it's about. It's not about this structure. It's not a structure. We're not a system. Mm. You know, we're not like, you know, a government body. We're not asking for funding for people to, for our group to exist. We're not asking for anything special. I'm saying I'm Marvin Harrison I don't necessarily always feel safe in, in certain parts of Britain or in London. And so to, I created a safe space for myself on my group of people who really understand my experience, which is specifically being a black father. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it comes from. It's not, it's not about excluding people. It's not about being, we're so against being against something. We're not against anything. We mm -hmm. don't allow people to speak negatively about women. We don't allow you to objectify women. You can't like put a hot girl picture in our group and be like, oh, look at this girl. Like, All no, of these things. Down. Yeah, yeah. We just absolutely zero tolerance. And it creates a, a moral moral framework for all of us to be better people. Whereas. Mm. And then that gets injected into our kids because we just don't carry ourselves in certain ways anymore. So for those 150 fathers that are in the group, we're seeing a, 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 a halo effect of what's happening and how they're looking at and how they talk about and challenge themselves. So job job done in that sense. But now there's obviously millions more we need to reach, reach out to. That's amazing. And like what you were saying, bro, like certain, I was just getting mad tinkles at certain points, bro. Mm. That's real. But what I was going to say is, have you managed to bring this into a physical space at all? Or does this mainly exist in the audio world and through like messages and actual written text? Like, yeah. is there any plans to maybe think like, how do we bring these fathers together? And what is it that we want to bring them for? And where do we want to go with that discussion? Or if there is a discussion? So, so we started this thing called the MGM, which is a, a monthly general meeting for, for dads. And we were meeting up once a month. Um, and it made sense because we wanted to get everyone together that was in the group. But then there's a mixture of different levels of understanding. So it meant that we wasn't really getting much done. It was just like, we're together, which is cool. <laughs> we've got 150 black fathers in yeah. a room. We'll just hang out. And yeah. we, like, to be honest, what we were doing was building out our understanding of what Dope Black Dads was okay. and building out our own understanding, like what's our minimum value of experience. And we worked on a few really important ideas, which will be announced in October. But, the, you know, our, overall, it was really just about our experience of being around each other. And actually, almost like an AA meeting, it was just like hugs and just like mm -hmm. admitting I'm here and I'm present and I find things hard and you're not alone. And we were just sharing stories. So that, that and that's fantastic. We should, we will continue that. The project that I'm most excited about was twofold. One, one is taking a podcast live and on the road, and I think that's that's being worked on as we speak. So live shows out and about. Yeah, like... because we we did one for my birthday, and it was like 50 people in a room, and mainly it was people that I knew. But just the 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 I don't want to say lack the, the the disparity of views on very things that are universal to me, like beating your children, mm -hmm. is still backwards in certain places and i and i think we need to have the conversation and it's not about judgment we're not we're not perfect parents we're all flawed we always laugh about the 80 20 rule which is like 80 percent that yeah we're doing dope shit stuff but That's the 20 percent the 20 percent where you're just like i think i've scarred my child a little bit so <laughs> as long as you stick to that ratio you're okay but there are times where i've definitely scarred my child so yeah. um it, it's, it's kind of looking at that experience so the first thing is the live podcast the second one is and um, this idea about how we heal the black experience um, and I and I think before we can talk about economic empowerment and like, well, if you are not healed first, all of those things will go into a black hole. They'll mm -hmm. go into an abyss. And when I talk about healing, it's it's reconciling with um, the idea of Europeans and what they had done historically to mm -hmm. to to the uh, Af to Africa, to Pan Africa, Africans, um, and what that means. And so we need to come to an idea as to what what's happened, the justice that we feel that needs to come. What does that justice look like? Uh, what does that mean for us as individuals? What does that mean for us as a collective? And be at peace mm -hmm. with that. Because we can't keep charging people with whatever's happened. We mm -hmm. cannot do it. We can't keep relaying that story back to ourselves. Forget even outwardly. We can't live in that trapped mindset. Um, and quite often, um, th probably the, 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 the bad side of being of this generation is that you remember too much. 
So yes, there's people that are like, yeah, but it's different now. You know, we've moved on and they have all these lofty understandings. But I remember being called the N-word and chased through Shoreditch. Mm. So Shoreditch was a national East. front, and now short what a national front like headquarters. Area. Oh, yes, swear. if you was there, circa ninety two, ninety three, late eighties, mad national front was still there. So when I see Burberry, Reebok classics, Levi jeans, you think NF? I see racism. Yeah, you don't I see, see run. trend. You don't yeah, see I, trend. My body still tells me to run. When you see a it's Reebok programmed. classic, absolutely. <laughs> so I appreciate they've had a rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> and Burberry have also had a rebrand. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah, that, yeah. but in my mind, you have that mm. combination on. I'm either engaging or I'm, I'm, what, I'm look, I think I need to run. So there's still there's still things that still live within us, and mm. we're not free of that trauma. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we can still be triggered so easily by Danny Baker, yeah, um, and Piers Morgan, yeah, like, like who's going to run into Piers Morgan? How is Piers Morgan going to affect your day to day existence? Mm. It's not happening. Because one thing you said which was quite interesting was the way in which we emotionally engage with each other. I mean, it's real strawberries, by the way. Yeah, they, bro, they are real strawberries. By the way, if you don't try them, man, they're real strawberries baked in apple juice. Can we get juice. sponsored by them? I say Please. we. I'm now a part of the show. If, yeah. if we get sponsorship only, then. Bro, you're my big bro. Remember, we say, <laughs> you see me and you, man. Yeah. This, this, this <laughs> I, see, not, I see you now. I'm, I'm you a now. dope black dad without a child, but... Wait. <laughs> you don't know that for sure. No, is that well? Hold on. <laughs> and if I did, let's not reveal it on PC, though, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do, but, let's do a broadcast on WhatsApp and see what uh, we're there's a stigma that we still need to break down just as males in general but especially as black males because what is it that how do you identify as a black male in terms of building some of the the kind of thoughts and the concepts that you were talking about mm. do you feel there needs to be a base level of agreement first yeah. or will we have too many lived experiences that we can never get that base level like, no we, we can get that base level and, and i think what happens is, is, is when you engage people and I think quite often what happens is is that I think black people have adopted their own rever their own racism and internalized it. And they now believe that a black man is a threat. And so they don't see love when they see a black man. They see they see a challenge, they see uh, an opportunity, they see you know, they see negative things and, and, and I think too often, as soon as you it's really funny because if you and I do this on a day to day basis all day, is I I always say hello to black men people when I see them. What, do you give the nod though? No, I, 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 I'll, I'll do the nod, depending on where I am and what I'm doing, or I might break them and really go in. And it, it really messes with their mind. If you see how they break, when, you, when you're when you the first one to be like, what's going on, you good, bro? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But he was holding, he was holding that face because he was taught that that face stops you from engaging him in a negative way. I'm saying I'm bringing, I'm bringing love. I don't, I don't really care. Mm. And so breaking people down on a day-to-day -day basis is a beautiful thing to watch and a beautiful process. But we need more people doing it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's really interesting. So um, we did a podcast which is like um, our fear of white women. Yeah. Super interesting podcast because at first it was like it wasn't really about that. It was something else. And then we was talking about our fear of white women. Yeah, yeah. Black okay. men's fear of white women. And, and and what that is is their ability to um, influence anybody that can oppress us if a white woman is crying mm -hmm. and says a black guy did it whatever that it is then there's a real consideration as to that being a thing mm -hmm. and we may do it we may have done the thing we may have also just been ourselves minding our own business and it's like he made me feel unsafe if someone says he made me feel unsafe which is a very ambiguous term what every, and you're, you're you're laughing now because I can see speak your truth bro don't meet so, yourself so bro no like no, you <laughs> know what yourself. if we're talking I'm talking there was an experience recently mm. um, not with a woman as such but I was saying I was at an event um, where it was actually talked the, the race relations in the 1970s in Brent yeah all the volunteers had put their bags in the kitchen and I remember going into the kitchen and there was like um, one lady in there like kind of just sorting some stuff out and it was weird that I said to her I was like look I'm going to take my bag. There's two phones on my bag right now. Can you watch me take my bag and make sure that those two mm. phones are there? So by the time I leave, we both have this alibi. Yeah. And then we, I, I stopped and we, we started talking about it for a second. I was like, how weird is that? that I've got this ingrained in my head that I need an alibi. Yeah, for like It's like, where has this cup? Like, it's me being aware mm. that if any of those phones weren't missing suspect number one yeah, like yeah. easy and it's not just saying he's the black guy but it was he being in that room mm. no one else was with him and you're the black guy are, yeah and yeah 
I'm the black guy. That would have sealed it. But it it would have given you proximity and then, oh, he's black. Deal. So I yeah. feel like it would have been... The yeah. end of the guy one. Yeah. It would be like, yeah, he's got the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 10. Yeah. But the fact that those are the little things that you're having to do and manoeuvre your way through life and no one even knows that you're doing that. Yeah. It's like you're walking down the street, maybe clutching your bag. I can appreciate it tonight and you're feeling unsafe. I'm yeah. going to go out of my way and cross on the other side of the street and maybe walk at a slower pace and inconvenience my journey. And I totally understand yeah. why you feel unsafe. Do you know what we call that? What we call it the black tax. The black tax. That's what we call it. Okay. We've literally unpacked this this afternoon because I was walking from my wife's uh, office to here actually, and there was it was a narrow walkway. It was still raining, and um, I I wanted him to feel safe. We were quite far apart, and he looked up at me, and in my head I was like, I feel like on this quiet road where there's no one else, you may feel unsafe. Let me walk in the road, and I walked <laughs> in the road. And now this is a polite thing to do. Some people could say it's a nice thing to do to do that. But the reason my, that wasn't my internal, that's not what my afterthought was. It was a nice thing to do, yes. But I was, I was, my original thought was, does that person feel safe? I'm not going to rob you. I'm wearing a Mac and a and hard shoes. I'm not going to rob <laughs> you. Um, but at the same time, I had to go through that process. And the tax is that 30 seconds where I'm doing that internal monologue of, I'm not going to rob him. Of course, I'm not going to rob him. I'm going to walk around here. Then why did I do that? Did I meant to do that? I should have just. I should have just walked through him, and then he would have felt comfortable afterwards, knowing that actually not all black men. Exactly. Rob. It's like all of those thoughts went through my head, and some people don't need to think like. That. Yeah. No, you're right. And the black tax. I ain't heard that one, bro. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that. But those are the types of things that consciously we're having to do mm. to make someone else or accommodate for someone else's existence. And I can understand, man, there are people out here who make you feel some types of ways and who have done some terrible things. Yeah. So I'm not here being like, you should not be like that. No, it's like everyone has some form of unconscious bias yeah, that's yeah. developed out of some form or another. Yeah. But I am aware that our experience is so different yeah. and it feels like we've got so many layers of why we could feel that we're oppressed. Like black women charge black men with a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And I think... You charge us. We say that we're in a patriarchal society, but I don't think black men have benefited from that patriarchal society in the same way that people understand. Um, and I think not all charges against us are are incorrect. I think there's a lot of things that we haven't done. There's a lot, like even the idea there's a word "lighty" that people rhyme in every single grime song offends me greatly. What the term "lighty"? Oh. So black bro, I've got a, I've got a philosophy. I've got a theory. It's called "blinded by the lights growing up." Yeah, um, believing that mixed race girls or individuals were the yeah, pinnacle yeah. of what it was to be an attractive yeah. human so blinded by the lights was you had a mixed race girlfriend in year nine you're killing it remember when you said where you should be yeah, and you're yeah, perceived yeah. you're killing it and i'd feel like people have come into an understanding of love within themselves because in the last few years to me it's like yo that's not where the narrative was but yeah, yeah, yeah. no one can tell me in secondary school that that wasn't the idea yeah, or the yeah. ideal of what beauty was yeah but that was very much projected on us and i'm saying mm. there are a lot of charges that women have laid at our door that are 100 correct mm -hmm. and i'm i stand by that but i think sometimes we get used as a catch-all to all men and i'm like if you ever understood the lack of stru structural ability to influence anything um, and being the most hated and feared uh, person on earth for a very long time doesn't allow us to maneuver in a way that potentially you're suggesting. So mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding in, in terms of those charges, but we, we make it very, very clear in terms of feminism, we don't tell women how to manage their feminism. Being a feminist and a man means that I am supporting however I can. I'm facilitating. I'm clamping down behind the scenes when I'm speaking to men about how they speak about women, mm -hmm. how they reference women. Like I saw, uh, there was a script that we was we was working on for something and, and, and they were hyper-sexualizing lighter-skinned women and then making the darker-skinned women be at home and be like, where's my husband? And I was like, we ain't doing that. <laughs> you have to make them both the same race or just take it out. Like, what's the point? And it's like that narrative lives in people's head. It's almost, it's autopilot. He's not consciously sitting there being like, yeah, yeah, she's light, so she's beautiful. But it's 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 what you think you've seen being rehashed out in many, many different ways. And it happens in advertising. And it, like mm -hmm. advertising are amazing at saying, right, we've got a black person in, but it's not two dark-skinned people doing it. It's a light-skinned girl with curly hair and a black man or a light-skinned girl with curly hair and a white man. That's the acceptable level. Mm -hmm. Two dark-skinned people. Like, where's Jamelia and Kojo? Where are they yeah. on those two-looking people mm -hmm. selling stuff? That's my reality. I don't I don't know this alternate reality where everything else is kind of mixed and fair. It's like 
just mix it up, man. Play, mm. play, play the game for what it actually is. How it's. But do you think that's becoming more apparent nowadays, like in, in campaigns as well? You you have seen it being modelled on what society really looks like. We're still, getting, it's still, it's not, still there. not enough. It's we're, based we're on an there. idea. It's based on an idea because I think it's the statistic says like eighty six percent of black men are married to dark skinned black women. So it's like in terms of what you think your understanding mm-hmm. is versus the people you may see. You may see a celebrity with a white woman. You may see a celebrity with someone mixed. That's what is being perpetuated because it looks more appealing. But I'm mm-hmm. saying even that is broken. Mm-hmm. Just represent what is in that. If, you're, if your advert, advert is marketed in, specifically in like London or in the UK, just show it as it is. Mm. That's it. It's not about tokenism or like, I need to get... How, do anyone know any black women we can add to this <laughs> advert? It's like, just represent the people that you're speaking to. It, it does really... It does volumes when you do it properly. Yeah. So when we... Like, if just to touch back on to like the idea of dope black dads and you've mm. got a son... Is it one son, two? Have you got two? I have a boy and a girl, okay. one and three. My boy is three. Uh, my daughter is, is just over one now. Okay, and just, just from out of curiosity, what sort of values are you trying to instill in him? And are they different values to what you might be instilling in her? No, my, my, my three values is, um, uh, uh, is, is don't hurt yourself, don't hurt anybody else, um, and try your hardest. That's okay. the only framework that I have. Everything else is just... Um, showing him about self-care and so I want him to learn how to look after himself look after his house he he helps with washing the dishes he helps with cooking um, and this is him being proactive he helps with cleaning he wants to do the things that we're doing mm-hmm. so I try to show him those things um, and then I just talk to him a lot like it's amazing how much speaking to your child in terms of really big con- concepts the other day we were watching um, do you know Alexander uh, Ocasio-Cortez no, is that... A... The U- she's a US senator, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a Democrat um, in New York. And, and she's, she's just a beast. Like, she goes after big money, pharma, old politicians. She just rips them new ones constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was watching a documentary of her on Netflix. It was really interesting. And I was explaining to him that there is a riot because people aren't happy because a man died. And then he was like, wow, they're not happy, are they, daddy? He's just picking things up. And it's not about big political messages it's just talking him through what he's seeing with me and not leaving it unaided mm-hmm. you can assist it and he can start to get because otherwise it just looks like violence and noise to him and he, mm-hmm. he can get scared so just unpacking things with my son is my new favorite thing to do mm-hmm. he's at an age where he's almost four he's like turning four soon he gets stuff mm-hmm. and, and i want to empower that understanding because he's already smarter than i was at that age like significantly bro you're you're on form though like i can see it. he's just got a now. wealth of knowledge bro. You've <laughs> yeah, got a, yeah you've got a wealth of knowledge listen he'll be here soon he'll be here in two years <laughs> taking this exact spot <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nah. but um <laughs> even in your your personal experience like mm. because dope black dads was that modeled on something that you grew up with and being like all right cool this is where i feel i've i've, I've been able to see someone who i can see as a role model and maybe this is what i want to instill in like uh, like a group of people or myself nah, do you know what i, I think i was I was saying to you earlier is that I'm not really big I'm not a big charity like we are the world type of person that's, yeah. that's not who I am I think the the, the 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 elements of that that I deliver is just for example and direct connections with people I'm not someone who's going to be like, I'm not I'm not the Obama effect I'm not like have hope I'm not a hope guy I'm, I'm an action-based <laughs> individual yeah. yeah I'm an action-based individual I, I don't live in hope space so when, when I when I built it, it was built on a very innocent approach to celebrate people. Okay. When it grew, it was about the information was rich and understanding what was happening here. And then when now that it's grown, I'm just following the natural path of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, I, I think that I think the key thing is is that we look at our experience and we need to bring our community up a notch. We are the furthest behind community of all. Not, not necessarily saying it's our fault or someone else's fault. We are just the furthest behind, the most underdeveloped, the most um, disenfranchised, the most ununified group of all groups. Whatever the group is, we do not have a consistent agenda. And I appreciate black people are not monoliths, mm-hmm. but we definitely are all treated the same, whether we're men or women or collectively as the black experience. And I think it's a high time that we no longer look left to right or up, to be polite, um, about how we solve this. We, we actually need to do something about it ourselves. And so what we, we call Dope Black Dads now is a think tank. Mm, we okay. put problems into the group and we just break them down and talk about how we best express those things. Mm-hmm. And so some of the work we're doing is going to come out soon, but really it's just about challenging some of the things and the bad ideas that have got us to this point. Yeah, I think the way we treat women is a big one. Yeah, I think that's our biggest crime 
is we haven't stood by our women enough and now it's like we need to stop that we need to really stand by what they're doing and give them the, the freedom more than anything else to make the mistakes you know there was there was a charge that slumflower made some comments around men and i, I look i i was i was against it and i, I fought really hard not to say anything what did she say she was just saying this idea that um uh, i don't care about men wanting to kill themselves because they can't whoa uh, was it like you can't get over your your mum not hugging you or some some wild like that just like this really toxic idea of what um simplifying what male suicide was and it upset me because I, i've had the conversation with men who have committed suicide or, or before, before they committed suicide or considered it and i know it's richer than that and, but at the same time women regulated themselves so the women the female community and the feminist community got together and cleaned that right up and i think that's where the freedom and the space if men got involved with like yeah well actually we think da -da -da -da, mm -hmm. then all you're doing is confusing the messaging mm -hmm. you're adding another voice into something that's already being fixed so actually what, what ends up happening people regulate themselves and we can we can go back about our business mm -hmm. i don't want to challenge women on their ideas i think they deserve elements of freedom to get it wrong um, and then regulate themselves without us standing over there being like, oh, see, you, you got, got it wrong. wrong. You need yeah, men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need and men. Again, it's a lived experience <laughs> that we could, <laughs> It's a lived experience yeah. that you can't tell. Like, so you'd never know how it is to be a woman in society. Yeah. Stop. So it's pointless even saying, like, if I were, because mm. it's not if I were. It's, yeah, self-regulate, do that, learn from the mistakes, and then find out what you like to You'll improve on and stuff. But what I wanted to kind of just tap into is what is your the future goals for Dope Black Dads? I know you've touched on it a little bit because mm. you guys have just, people can find your stuff on BBC Sounds now. Mm. So tell people a bit about where they can find some of the stuff and what your kind of goals are for like the next few years or what you see this happening or Think yeah, Tank I, growing into. Yeah, I think the the, 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 the the key things are the podcast, I think needs to continue um, on a high level. We're really enjoying working with BBC Sounds at the moment Sick. and they've been amazing in terms of facilitating us and producing us so that that's the, the big thing for me that's a media um the key thing is bringing our community together so doing things like the sports day we're doing on may 26 in london fields i see we're just saying anybody don't even, you, you don't even need kids you don't need to be black you can be wherever just come and we're going to build a community so it's almost like we're hosting hackney yeah <laughs> and beyond <laughs> yeah so like come and hang out with us for a day and we'll you know we'll, you can be a part of our you can see what our culture is and spend time with us so that those things are happening the healing process is really important and so bringing to people who have gone through different scenarios and healing them from that and working with them to um whether it's therapy whether it's spirituality whether it's uh, returning back to the country of origin or, or close to as possible those types of things um we're, we're super big on so the healing process so they're basically just follow us on social and find us because there there is a lot of streams there are a lot of us working on a lot of projects um, and I think it's really, really important that they're all, they're all doing their work in different ways. Um, and it's best just to stay tuned because we're announcing them all. We're doing the partnership with Picture House um, and doing a, a cinema a cinema day for the families because I think it's really important that dads lead the diary sometimes. Quite often men don't know what's happening with their families over the weekend. It's like, oh, let me just ask my wife. It's like, you should be saying Sunday, I'm taking my kids out. Or you should actually be taking each one of your kids out to special times and special days on your own, just with them. And building a relationship Absolutely. with your child. Too often we rely on, on the mother to, to lead those things with other people. We've got to say individually and collectively, dads are leading the car charging conversation on this. Mm. Mad. Bro, so people can find you at Dope Black Dads on Insta, Twitter. Is it the exact same Everything. handles? Yeah, yeah dopeblackdads.com. My name is obviously Marvin Harrison, yeah. Digital Marvin on Twitter. Um, yeah, just please hit us up. Any feedback from this is always uh, useful, but any of the work that you see us doing, just contribute. If you just want to get involved and help, um, just hit us up and we'll find a way to, to make that happen. We're doing, we're doing real work right now. So, um, But yeah, all dads, please get in touch because we, we, we want to bring everybody up to cold and, and support them through through that because we know it's tough. And nationally, so. you guys want to start moving around nationally? Absolutely. We already have a Brist nationally. Bristol faction. We have a New York faction. We have a Jonesburg faction. It, it's already growing in those places already. So if you want to um, build a, a, a group in your area, then let's do it. Um, okay. We also partner with any dad organization. So Leeds Dads uh, is a great organization 
organization that we always end up hanging out with so there are tons we were doing a football tournament with them actually so any dad group any male group any male empowerment group we hang out with anyone it's not a specifically black only conversation we know we have work in our community to do but we work with anyone on anything so okay cool and literally this is my final question to you bro mm. um what's one of the most important lessons you think you've learned in life so far um don't beat your kids I'm gonna, I'm gonna drill in on that one because okay. it's the most it's the most um it's one of the biggest things the biggest traumas that you can face is the person that you love the most beating you and then telling you that it's love it's hella confusing and i think ultimately the idea that you could ever get comfortable with someone laying their hands on you uh, as a child um is damaging you and must you must find that a lot of parents in the, or a lot of fathers in the group have differing opinions on that, right? I think people are up, updating the... Some people rather just have given up on the idea that we're not going to ever accept that it's okay. Um, and so they, they've uh, they've moved their argument on. But the majority of dads are moving north on this and they're going in the right direction. It's so, so important. It's like you cannot heal yourself while you're being beaten. You cannot learn anything from being beaten. And it's like, some people say, yeah, but I survived it. It's like, well, imagine how strong you were to survive that. Imagine who you could have been if you weren't beaten and you were just told you were amazing or you was guided better. Just imagine if you survived beating, what else could you have survived? Mm -hmm. It just means you're strong. That means it's fantastic. How much trauma can black people take? Do you want to add another layer of it from the person you love the most? It's a big subject for me. I shouldn't have done this at the no, end. Bro, yeah, I no, bro. No, no, I think it's super important. Real, man. And I, um, I definitely, I'm tapping in, man. You're, you're literally enlightening. Like, in, in, in terms of, like, any physical handling or any physical touching that is stuff that you're not you're no, not no me and my all. son have amazing conversations okay. when he's acting up it's like i i he he i know why he's acting up if you go to the root cause he's hungry he's tired he's unsafe if he feels unsafe he will act out if he's hungry or tired he will act out if you start understanding those things you don't need to beat him you need to do the thing that makes him feel safe give him a hug and he will regulate immediately if you beat him he's gonna cry he might go to bed but then the next day he'll do it again because he hasn't solved it. Make mm. him feel safe. It's a reaction to everything. This I we need more time because I'm, hey, I'm going into, <laughs> hey, into this idea. Bro, you're, of, hey, honestly, you're, I, I, I'll say you're I'll say sick. one more thing, and it's very, no, very please, important. No, please, please, please. There's no like. Ah, oh, cool. Because because we 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 were unpacking this notion, um, and it's a Carl Jung theory. It's not new. We're not we're not developing this, but it's this idea that you symbolically kill your parents, and and I know that sounds wild to a lot of people, but. I don't think you can, come, can become a man um, or a woman until you surpass mentally your expectations of your parents. If you are waiting for approval from your mom or your dad, you are not the adult. You belong to them. And the idea you cannot be a parent, you cannot be a full adult while you are waiting for somebody else's approval for your existence. <laughs> it's the number one thing that holds everyone back. This is not even a race thing. This is a human being thing. And, and, and actually doing the internal work where you do not feel you need your mum to say, I'm proud of you, son, before you feel whole. Mm. It will free so many people. So there's two parts of that. There's one where you detach yourself from your parents enough in a safe way. We still love them. We still go see them. We still talk to them. But you detached from that expectation enough. But also I say to parents, you need to free your kids. You don't own your children. They have their own agency. Your job is to make them, keep them alive uh, and instill as many values as humanly possible. Up until the point that they can do it themselves. Absolutely. And, then you let them... and to be honest, that, that time gets younger and younger. Because at a certain point, if you speak to a 12-year-old, he knows who he is. He knows what he wants to do. Your job is to guide that process and open as many doors as possible for him to achieve those things. Mm. If you believe that at 12 years old, it's like, you're not the man. I see, I see so many parents. It's usually working class parents, I want to say very politely, <laughs> yelling at their kids in such a way with aggression. Mm. Like, hurry up. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. All of that. It's, it's such, um, it's what ends up creating resentment. But then, you know, when you were saying like, you need to um, free yourself from the parents' expectations or yes. that approval or that, all right, cool, you're enough, that, yeah, that actualization. Kill your parents symbolically. Is that, is that what Carl Jung said, yeah? Yeah. Okay. When you say that, there are some people who have worked their life 
to kind of cater to their parents' needs yeah. um, because it's what they're... Because they're, they understand the privilege of their situation mm-hmm. and they might be like, look, I was one thought away from being born here, here and here. Mm. And not saying that would have been in an unfortunate situation, but mm. I know how lucky I am to have the resources that I do around me. Mm. So if I don't want to be a doctor... Like, or if I have the academic ability to be a doctor, mm. I might be a doctor just to show my parents that their wasted their trip wasn't a wasted journey. Great. And I feel like to be an independent thinker is almost a privileged state that it's it's something that our parents who might have been in, born in another country might have mm. not had that. They might mm. have not had that ability to be like, all right, cool. I just want to be the best version of myself. It's like, no, we need to... Su- it's moved from survival to yeah, but that, finding that, that's, that that's, individualistic that's... approach. But, but, but then we're building this idea that... Um purpose is given to us by our parents and it's like we have to fulfill that at the end of that process you will not be happy you won't understand why you're a doctor there are like it's funny because there was there was someone who was um meeting me and and she was telling me about her husband um and and her husband was a oxford graduate and came from irish background irish in the 70s was poor it was valued just the same as black people it wasn't rated um and she drilled him basically got him into oxford he became a lawyer he's now a senior partner in a law firm and is now having problems with his identity he doesn't know what the hell have you done this for why have i done this to what to what avail he's in his 40s he can't go back and go be a, an artist he can't go be a you know he can't fulfill the destiny that he once would would have had and by Yes, in some sense, it's like, great, we were poor, so we gave you the best education, and so now you've got money. But he's got money, but he's not happy. He doesn't have himself. Mm. And I'm saying you're better off having yourself than you are having money. And you'll see it over and over again. There's people that are successful and rich, and they're not happy. They take drugs. They overdose. They whatever. Mm. Whitney Houston, all those people. There's just tons of examples of it. Whereas if you find the people who are centered all along, they never change. They just are who they are. The ups and downs don't, don't sway them. They don't break them they don't make them mm. and i'm saying we need to start building a generation of children especially in our community mm. of people who are stronger who aren't going to be wavered by their parents or wavered by anything because now it's different because before we had a really clear demarked understanding of what the black experience was now people just deny it to you you sit there as a black man having an experience that you know is uniquely to be black. You and all your friends, me and my friends, when we get together, quite often what happens is the first half an hour is us saying the most racist thing that happened to us. Do you know the most racist thing that happened to me? And it's like, for you to sit there and then deny that to me because you don't get it, that's what's going to happen to this next generation because in their mind, we're equal already. We gave you jobs. We gave you, I don't call you the N-word. You never get chased. You don't get beaten up. What's your problem? And so that experience is going to require a lot stronger people than the ones that are currently here now. Mm. And I'm saying if you're sitting there waiting for things like approval from your parents or approval from society then on things... you're just slowing the process of the development. You won't make it. Mm. Bigger than that, you won't make it. You're not going to make it in where someone can sit there. Like the idea of being denied your own lived experience to your face on Good Morning Britain by a guy who's never, ever even had jerk chicken, let alone hang out <laughs> with black people, you're going to look at him and just think... Wow, nobody thinks that I'm. This is a thing. Am I going crazy? You start doubting yourself. You start saying, "This ain't my. Is this my experience? Is this what happens?" That mental cycle where you have an internal monologue constantly, it wears you out, and that's what breaks people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's things like cannabis that might break the, the 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 back, or you know, another lived experience that might break your back. But it's that constant internal monologue where you're constantly readjusting yourself for your climate, is what slowly breaks people down. It winds the clock to a point where you do break. And I'm saying that plus how you interact with your parents, that pain that you feel when someone talks to you a certain way mm-hmm. and you're like, that's what my dad used to do. That's what happens to you internally. And you lash out. That lash out sends you somewhere. And I'm saying all of these things we need to rid ourselves of. So the actual internal work is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. The idea of symbolically killing, killing your parents will improve your relationship with your parents no end. That's when, they, that's when they, they, they've finally done their job when, they, when you're free. Not you start with, treating them as a, a, not as a friend, or you could say as a friend, as a as an equal. It's not than, really how you treat them. It's, it's yeah. about how you treat yourself and carry yourself. I, I can't sit there and stand in front of my son and act like I'm going to be the person that's going to help him navigate his life and his freedoms if I still haven't even got over my own parents' understanding of me. Mm. So then what he's, he's getting 70-year-old information channeled into him. Yeah. Why would he ever listen to you long term? But you will you? be a well-meaning advisor, though, and like try and guide him in past that, or at least 
tell him that I think if you go down here, this won't be the best choice for you. But well, will you why, still why let you him just, do that? No, because what it is, is that your presence is the example that he needs. Okay. And that's what people seem to forget. They think this is an advice. How many people have you given advice to and they actually listen to you? Mm. Do you not listen to you? They listen by their own experience. Your mm. job is to remind him of the values. That is it. Mm. And to show him by example, this is how you move. This is how you live. It's like, all right, you want to be, you want to do this? Okay, I know a guy over here that can help you. Your job is to pave the way. Mm. It's to provide a secure platform for him to become an adult. Mm. And the secure platform is a stable home environment. Even if you're not together, having a relationship with your partner or your wife or whatever, together or not, that allows him to feel safe. So then he hasn't got to be out in the world being judged as a black boy, mm -hmm. then come home to an unsafe environment where it's all broken and confused, and then still try to come out as a rounded individual. And you wonder why he might be doing things that ultimately are illegal or people very much frowned upon. It's all of these habits that I'm desperate for people to not... I don't want to judge no one because I appreciate we're all broken people trying to fix people. Or walking coping mechanisms uh, in some yeah. ways. <laughs> <laughs> know, deep. That's deep. Um, uh. But I, I, I do think when somebody flags it to you it's about being open enough to hear the information that potentially what you're doing isn't right mm -hmm. and doing your best to resurrect that, that rectify that's that's all i ask i'm not asking you to buy into everything i'm saying but understand that your children aren't yours mm -hmm. because the second anything happens the government kicks in and it takes all of its powers and you can't do anything about it so the idea that you believe that they're yours is really just your ego. It's your misunderstanding of how this works. Mm. And actually, the, the idea that you have that agency is better for you as a parent to be free. It's way more peaceful. You can be on an island with me doing soca dancing at Jamaica <laughs> Carnival <laughs> yeah. 2020. Eating the finest Come join me. My, my, kid, my kids will be with their grandma, so it's fine. Hey, hey, did you hear that? That was an open invite. I swear to you, bro. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. just for me, bro. Hey, Marvin, you know you're actually the guy, bro. Oh, I swear you, bro. to you, bro. I've had a lot of people here, but yeah, man, I, I know for a fact I haven't even tapped into like an eighth of what you potentially, <laughs> bro, it's mad. I'm looking at it and I'm just like, you're bro, literally, man. Like, I, I feel like I'd love to just spend bare time and just absorb, absorb. Well, you but, can that. You can now officially hit me whenever the hell you want. Jeez, and we've got numbers, bro. Is there a lot of contact? There was me on LinkedIn like, hey, bro, are you still, are you still ready for today? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> Doing bro. the most. Hey, absolute love for coming on today. Thank you, bro, what you're doing is spectacular. Appreciate and I swear it. to you, I wish you all the best of the future. Thank I'm going to watch the journey closely. Yeah, Dope yeah. Black Dads, if anyone else needs to, or not needs to, should be Get onto that now, Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. Like, watch this space. October, you're saying some exciting stuff's coming yeah, out, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to disrupt the place. I'm and sorry, BBC yeah. Sounds, if you guys want to tap into the latest episode, man. Shouts to the BBC. Mad, mad, mad. Hey, guys, all the love. And on that note, peace out. Thank you.